We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Arrival, The King is Here. Join us as we look at Advent through the lens of the Incarnation. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. The Arrival. For the past few weeks, we have been going through our series, Advent series called The Arrival. This series is here to help us uh, commemorate the first coming of Jesus and anticipate his second coming. Two weeks ago, Pastor Corey preached on hope. Hope. And basically telling us that hope is a person. And that person is Jesus. And without him, there's really nothing to hope for. Meaningful to hope for. And then last week, Pastor Brennan preached on, remember, peace, yes. The peace that this term Jesus Christ brings in the midst of chaos, right? The chaotic world we live in. So today, who can imagine what we're gonna be talking about? Joy, joy amen, right? Joy, 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 I got joy in my heart, right? So yes, this we're gonna be talking about joy and try to see why joy is important and why we should rejoice in every circumstance. My name is Ignaz, and I'm one of the pastors here. And as many of you know, I am married to the beautiful woman sitting out over there, Danielle. And I'm a proud father of three children. So being a parent, I think it's the most exhilarating thing that anyone can ever go through, can experience. You know, so the first time when you become a parent, when you have a baby, and you look at this small creature in your hands, you know, it's just crazy. You just think that, oh, you know, what an adorable baby. Why is so fragile? They're so cute, you know? They're innocent and cute. But as many of you already know, as they start to grow up, you know, you start to experience the frustration of parenthood, right? So children doesn't always appreciate what you do for them. And sometimes they act out in rebellion, right? So, and if you think about it, that is the same thing that God's go through. And before even I tell you that, I'm gonna tell you a quick little story. You know, when Lindsay, can you bring back the picture of Lindsay? When Lindsay was just about a year old, that's Lindsay. And, uh, you know, I remember at that time, you know, I taught her how to put her cup on top of the counter. She already knew how to put her cup on top of the counter when she finished she's her, meal, her, her, her milk. Right, so one day she did it constantly. I'd say, hey, Lindsay, can you put your cup? She'll take it. She'll go put it on top of the counter. So but one day she just felt like not doing it. <laughs> you know, like she finishes the milk and just threw the cup on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Lindsay, we went over this already. Can you pick up the cup and throw the counter? She didn't want to do it. I keep insisting. She started crying, using all kinds of small tricks, you know, to, to get me to stop asking her to put the, the, the cup on the counter. So I was like, okay. 
uh, I'm gonna help you, you know. So I went, I grabbed her hands, tried to put her around the cup to help her put in the counter. And guess what? She pulled her hand back. So right at that moment, I knew I had a small rebellion in my hand, you know. And I was not gonna let this small, this little toddler to win this battle, right? So needless to say that I find a way to get her to pick up a cup and put on the top of the counter. You see, when you think about it, you know, God, this is what God has been going through our history, through our, through our history with the nation of Israel, his people, right? So God, I lost my, uh, that's my thought here. Okay, just gotta make sure that I'm here, okay. All right, sorry. So that's what God has been going through also with the nation of Israel. So as a perfect father, he provided everything that Israel need, like any good father, even here, every early father is fair to say that always, not even father, parent in general, will provide, will try everything, will try very hard to provide everything that the children need to live happy and productive lives. Any parents strive to do that. So God, as a perfect father, did the same thing for Israel, provided for them, right? But what did they do? To rebel their child, they rebelled against him, and then decided to refuse to follow his commands. So our main scripture of today is a prophetic text that is found in the book of Zephaniah. But before we read Zephaniah, the, the book of Zephaniah, before we read this scripture, I want to give you a quick summary of the book of Zephaniah and the event that lead up to what we are about to read. So Zephaniah was a prophet. You know, he lived during the time of King Josiah. Matter of fact, I named one of my, uh, named my son Josiah. I named him after King Josiah. If you look at Israel history, you're going to see that there were good kings and bad kings. The good kings were the ones who followed the command of their forefathers, God, which is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as a result, the nation of Israel uh, endure, uh, you know, experienced peace and prosperity during those uh, good king uh, reign. But then the bad king was the one who forgot about, abandoned the God of their forefather, and they started doing all kinds of abomination. As a result, Israel always end up in judgment or captivity. So King Josiah was one of the good ones. He actually became king at the age of two, I mean eight, right? But unfortunately, he succeeded. You know, he received and inherited a broken kingdom from his grand, evil grandfather and grandfather. So he tried, when he found out, when he realized that this nation was far away from God, he tried to do reform to bring back the nation of Israel to God. But unfortunately, Israel was far to gone. So God sends Zephaniah with a warning message to the nation of Israel. And uh, the nation of Judah and Jerusalem of an imminent judgment, devastation, and restoration that was coming up on them. So the main theme of the book of Zephaniah is the day of the Lord. So according to the Moody Bible commentary, the day of the Lord refers to a period characterized by gloom, darkness, and judgment, and followed by prosperity, restoration, and blessing. In one hand, the Bible describes the day of the Lord as an event that would happen towards the end of the world, at the end with the end of the world. It's sometimes referred to as that day or today. 
On the other hand, especially in the Old Testament, the day of the Lord is a periodic judgment where God intrudes into time and space to reconstitute the right order of things and punish wickedness. And this was the case in Judah Josiah, I mean, in Zephaniah's time. So now that we have a good understanding, a small little bit of understanding of what the book of Zephaniah is about, so let's open our Bible to Zephaniah 3, and we're going to pick up in chapter 14. So here we see God speaking to his people, the nation of Israel. He's speaking to the remnant of the nation of Israel, the one who remained faithful to him. He says, Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned away your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. It's an amazing declaration when you think that the book of Zephaniah is only three chapters long with 53 verses. And out of the 53 verses, 42 of them talks about, uh, cover, talks about the day of the Lord, focusing on describing the sin of Israel and the nation of the world, you know, and also the coming terrifying judgment that was going to come upon them. So 42 chapters, that's all they're talking about. Very ter terrifying. And it was going to not only be on the nation of Israel, which was mostly characterized at the time by the, by the kingdom of Judah, and uh, Jerusalem and Israel, which was symbolized by Jerusalem, but it was also a judgment on the other nations. But why was God bringing this judgment upon those nations? Because of their disobedience, rejection of God, and idolatry. But however, when you get to the last 11 verses, we see a complete reversal of events. You know, here we see God making a promise to restore his people in spite of their rebellion. So as we look at the text and other texts throughout the Bible, we're going to see a pattern. A pattern of provision, rebellion, suffering, and restoration. You know, Israel rebelled against God. No, God provided for his children. Israel rebelled against them. They got punished. They suffered, especially from the separation of God. But then they always, he always restores them. So we're going to see that pattern as we go through. These two verses that we just read are really, are really mind-blowing. Because right after this terrifying judgment, God is telling his children to be happy and to rejoice with all their heart. Why? Because he provided them salvation by taking away their punishment and destroying the enemy that have oppressed and kept them captive. So our point number one today will be finding joy in God's salvation. Before we see how to find joy in God's salvation, and even on this, let's try to understand what joy is. According to the Webster definition, dictionary, joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, a source or cause of great happiness, something or someone that gives joy to someone. From this definition, we can see that the word happiness is intertwined with the word joy. And no wonder why a lot of people use those two words interchangeably. 
But I think it's important to realize that they are actually different. And before we continue, and for the sake of this message, let's try to differentiate those two words. So the same dictionary defines happiness as the state of well-being and contentment, joy. You see, joy is there again, a pleasure or satisfying experience. So based on these two definitions, happiness is a pleasure of, uh, or satisfied, satisfied, uh, satisfying experience that makes you feel good, whereas joy is a source or cause of greater happiness, something of someone that gives you greater happiness. So it's important to note that happiness is always associated with happy feelings, with positive feelings, oh, and all that derived from positive experience, which are most of the time temporary. For example, when I got married, you know, to my beautiful wife over there, it was a very happy day for me, right? <laughs> as much as I want that euphoric feeling to remain, to not go away, to stay eternally, unfortunately, it started wearing off. Okay, I hope I'm not gonna get in trouble. <laughs> so, but that is happiness. It's just for a moment, experience in a moment and time. But now, joy is also a feeling. But the major difference that joy can be associated with happy feelings or positive feeling or negative feelings as well. It is a state that we choose and it can be experienced in a prolonged period of time instead of happiness, which is usually a short period of time. A few months after I married my wife, Danielle, you know, we come to realize our marriage is not perfect, right? <laughs> so we have ups and downs like any new couple, you know, we got disagreement, you know, we had to go through all this, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been married, you know what I'm talking about. We all, everyone always seems that we have the perfect marriage. But in spite of all those temporary challenges, we always find joy in our marriage. Right? And because we, there was something more powerful at play, our love and commitment for one another. Right? So, our love and commitment for one another. So I can truly say today that I am blessed to have her as my wife. And I'm, it's a joy and I'm blessed to have her as my wife. So listen to this interesting comparison uh, that I find uh, between joy and happiness that are found in Compassion uh, website. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is in the face. Joy is, is of the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends happiness react. Joy embraces peace and contentment waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflow while happiness hugs hello. Joy is uh, is a practice and the behavior is deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes building along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. Happiness is a bond. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Joy is an inner feeling, happiness in our expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursue joy, but chooses happiness. So when God asks people to rejoice instead of being happy, it's basically because you understand that our current situation should not dictate 
how we feel. So today, as you've been here today, do you feel any kind of struggle? Are you going to some kind of struggle? Well, is it financial or is it a sickness? So whatever is going on, whatever we're going through, we can choose to be joyful instead of being sad. We may have messed up some way in the past, you know, and you're paying the price now, you know. Yeah, it's painful. But I want you to know that you can still rejoice because the saving power of God is here to set us free. And that name is Jesus. That power is Jesus. Even if you don't feel like it, rejoice. Follow God's prescription. He says, sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. Don't you find interesting that God, after telling them about an imminent destruction that was going to come upon them, right away is telling them, right after telling them to rejoice. You know, I don't know their heart was troubled by what they just heard, <laughs> but right after he's telling them rejoice, right? Why did God do that? Why do we sing? Because singing has the ability to alter, to change our mood and bring back memory. We sing when we have something inside of us that needs to be expressed beyond word. God wants to change your mood today and cause you to become joyful regardless of your situation. Good or bad, God wants you to remember that he did something so great for you that you need to express your gratitude with all your heart. He wants you to grab the magnitude of the salvation that he provides so that you can have hope. Without hope, there is no joy. And hope is something, and as, as you hope for something better, singing has the ability to change your mood. As you sing, he doesn't want you to go through the motion. Right? He wants you to feel it. He wants you to shout. Right? Don't worry about what people would think. He wants you to let it out. He wants you to live it and experience it. I don't know if you remember the story of uh, Paul and Silas. When they got arrested after delivering a demonic-possessed woman. I think it was in Philippi. And you can find that story in Acts chapter 6. Very good, so you should read it after. So the Bible says that after Paul and Silas got arrested for delivering a demonic-possessed woman, for setting her free, right? They got stripped naked. They got beaten and thrown in prison. Don't you think that's a dice? After you just did something good and you get that, you, you, you get that as a result. But guess what they did? Once there was light, the same day, the Bible said that they start singing and praying. They start praying and singing. And guess what happened? As they start singing, miracles start happening. You see? So then their situation, who sings after they just got arrested and, and you know, and who, who does that? Someone who believed that there's something greater than the situation and prayed. So their situation didn't matter. They still rejoiced in that moment and God started doing miracles and we all know the rest. It's just an amazing story of miracle that you can even read yourself. So brother and sister, the choice is yours today. You can decide to find joys beyond the current situation because you know that God has provided salvation for you. Rejoice beyond your current situation because Jesus has paid for your sin and defeated the devil. Rejoice because he has given you eternal life. So 
Today, just like Israel, God is asking you to sing, shout, and rejoice with all your heart for all he has done for you. Therefore, New Life Community Church, sing, Christian, hear you watching me online, shout loud. You know, all you Christian, rejoice with all your heart because God has taken away your punishment and he has turned back your enemy. So let's continue to read Zephaniah and pick up where we left off. Verse 16 says, On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but, but will rejoice over you with singing. This is beautiful. God reassuring its people, telling him not to be afraid. I don't know if you realize what this means. You know, did you know that the first two emotions that Adam and Eve felt after the sin was fear and shame? So it's interesting that God starts here by telling them not to be afraid. And you're going to see that, you're going to see a lot of that. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Turn with me to Genesis 3. Uh, let's pick up in verse 6. And then let's see what Adam and Eve experienced during that moment. And we connect Genesis 6. I mean Genesis 3, verse 6. Okay, I'm going to read. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing for the eyes and also desired for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was... Uh, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sew, they sew fig leaves together and made a covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the tree of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answered, I'm here in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So we see here that after disobeying God for the first time, fear and shame enters the world. Adam and Eve so fig leave to cover themselves, to cover their nakedness and hide from God. This catastrophic Disobedience caused them to be cast out of heavens or the Garden of Eden and experience the consequence, the consequence of sin, which is separation from God, pain, suffering, and death. Adam and Eve being cast out of paradise was cast out of paradise because sin cannot reside where God resides. But God, in his infinite love, didn't abandon mankind. When you continue to read, you can see God making a redemptive promise to Eve that he will redeem them through his seed, through, through death, through her seed. And also that God did the first sacrifice at that moment by killing an animal to give a proper covering to Adam and Eve. So we see there the pattern of provision, rebellion, suffering, and restoration. God provided a perfect place for Adam and Eve. They rebel by disobeying him, 
They get punished, cast out of the paradise, out of God's presence, but they God promised to redeem them through their seed. So when God started sending with do not fear, it's because his children have been hiding from him since this, since this original time, this original sin. And he wants to change that. Would lead me to our second point. Finding joys in God's presence. Let's go back to Zephaniah uh, verse 17. So, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saved. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Here, we see how God's presence is restored in the midst of his people. When Adam and Eve sinned, you know, they started to fear God and hid from God, they were, and they were cast out of God's presence as a result. And they became spiritually dead. So, but because of that, God wants to bring them back alive again. So this scripture, God being with his people, is God restoring that spiritual, our spiritual lives. So once again, God wants to be in the midst of his people. Once again, he wants to dwell with them. Not just in a spiritual form, but also in a physical form. And this happened when Jesus was born. Turn to Luke 1, verse 26 to 35. We see how Jesus fulfilled this prophecy of God being among his people. Now, in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. What is the first thing that the angel tells Mary? Rejoice. Why? Because God is with you. Please don't miss the connection here with Zephaniah uh, 14 and 17. In Zephaniah 14 and 17, God said, Be glad and rejoice, daughter of Jerusalem. And in 17, he said, Why? Because the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. So let's continue to read chapter 29, uh, verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled and saying, uh, as he's saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Here again, we see the angel telling Mary not to be afraid. Right? Because ever since the original sin, every time human beings are in presence of holiness, they are afraid. You know, so let's keep on reading. 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know man. 
And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. As you can see, this scripture tells us that Jesus is the Son of God. However, let's dig a little bit deeper and see how uh, what Luke, what Matthew has to say about the same account of Jesus' birth. So here we see another. We see an angel talking to Joseph, Mary's husband. You know, as, as he was thinking about. You know, like annulling contemporary about divorcing her because she was pregnant and she claimed to be still a virgin. So, I mean, I know anyone who finds themselves in that situation would be like, like, I mean, you think I'm crazy or what? I've already did a great job, brother, just kind of making us leave that scene, right? So, and so this is what the angel told Joseph as he was contemplating divorcing her. But while he thought about this thing, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take uh, to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and he shall be called, and, he, and, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which has been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and the son, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates God with us. So most people are familiar with the prophecy, the messianic prophecy in Isaiah. But here, you know, we see another prophet, Zephaniah, who is prophesizing about a time when God himself will come and dwell in the midst of his people and to save them. So the good news that I have for you is that this prophecy was fulfilled 2,001 years ago when Jesus Christ was born in the flesh. So therefore, this Christmas, find joys in the presence of Emmanuel, God with us. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, rejoice because the mighty, the mighty warrior who saved is with you. But if you don't know him, you can know him even now. You can know him today, just in your heart. Even right now, you can just ask him, you know, to take control over your life, to take over. And I can guarantee you, you're going to experience a joy like you never felt before. You're going to experience a peace like no one else. And you're going to be able to have hope like nothing that you can compare with. I ask anyone who has done that commitment before, that has given their life to Christ, it's just a, something that you can't explain to anyone. You just got to live it. So, if you remember the definition of joy, say that joy can be a cause of great happiness. Of, or someone who gives greater happiness to others. So as we get to Christmas, this is a great reminder that someone is Jesus Christ. He gives greater happiness to all who choose to come to him. So find your joy in the presence of Jesus. Seek him daily. Remove distraction. Spend quality time with him. Not just 
you know, not just, you know, with your, don't just spend quality time with a significant order that you can see. Not that there's anything, nothing wrong with spending time with your significant orders. You know, we actually have to do that. But we have to be intentional about spending quality time with God as well because it's very critical and essential even for our own, for our relationship and even for our sanity. So through him, only he can sustain those things and only him can give us everlasting joy. Verse 17 ends with God proclaiming that he will have great delight on his children, on his people. In his love, he will no longer rebuke them, rebuke them, but rejoice over them with singing. You know, first God asked them to sing, right? But now God is singing over them. You know, what a beautiful melody that would be. So I, I know, and, and I want you to know today that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, these same promises are yours. Your God is speaking, God is speaking the same thing over you. God wants to sing and rejoice over you today, right? Because he has taken away your punishment. So don't let anything right here this morning steal your joy because you have the king of the universe who is singing over you today. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's pick up. Let's continue to read the last three paragraphs of Zephaniah 3. I will, so this is God speaking still. God says, I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festival, which is a burden and a reproach for you. At this time, I will deal with all who oppress you. I will rescue the land. I will gather the exile. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered. At this time, I will gather you. At this time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the people of the earth when I restore your fortune before your very own, before your very own eyes, says the Lord. And these three verses give us a glimpse of what, how God redeemed his people. Right? A glimpse of the ultimate plan that God has for mankind. You know, the day of the Lord. God makes some extraordinary promises. Promise to restore. Promise to bring joy to anyone who hears them. He will destroy everything that hurts you. He will bring you home. He will give you praise. This brings us to my final point. Finding joy in God's promise. You see, this prophecy about the day of the Lord in the book of Zephaniah was fulfilled three different times, or will be fulfilled three different times. The same test perfectly points to an imminent and future event. The first time this promise was fulfilled was when Judah and Israel were destroyed, or Jerusalem was destroyed by the, and the Israelites taken into captivity in Babylon in 586 BC. But as God promised to restore them, 70 years later, they were delivered from captivity and restored into their land. Provision, rebellion, suffering, and restoration. 
And it's no secret that after God restored them, things didn't become perfect. This promise is still, you know, they start rebelling again. They start doing the whole, this, their own thing, you know, start running again away from God, violating his law. What happened? Oppression again. The enemy, they start being subjected and captive, oppressed by the enemy. And the that cycle of, of oppression continue. Doesn't that remind you of our own self? Right, time and time again, we are caught up in bondage of sin. You know, God's come and rescue us, and then we think we're good. Next thing you know, we fall back into the same thing again or something different. You know, so this sometimes we can just look at story like this at Israel. Like, oh man, these people were this this uh, this story. Like when you look, you're gonna see a great. It's so similar to our own lives, to our own behavior. So. It's because of these destructive behaviors that Jesus Christ was born to save the world. So this was the second fulfillment of this prophecy. The birth of Jesus Christ was, is the culmination of God's redemptive plan for the world. Jesus, the promised one, the long-awaited Messiah, the one foretold by all ancient prophecy, he came to save the world and fulfill all this prophecy. Listen to what Jesus himself had to say about that, about his coming to the world. John 12, 46 to 48. I have come into the world as a life so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Hear this. If anyone hears my word but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world. Right? He said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my word. The very word that I've spoken will condemn them on that last day. So throughout the four gospel in the New Testament, Jesus talks a lot about the last days. So what day is that? Nothing else than the same day of the Lord that we'll be talking to that Zephaniah was talking about. But this one, this is the final fulfillment of that prophecy. The final fulfillment, this will happen at the end of the world, when everything will be over, when God will start everything again. So at that time, God, with wondrous power, will forever destroy everything that is evil and sinful. He will restore the world with the original plan and fulfill all his promises. Any unrepented person should fear, dread this day, or any redeemed of the Lord should anticipate, should wait for this day with anticipation and rejoice. So this last day will begin with the second coming of Jesus Christ and end with God recreating a perfect world where he and Jesus will live among mankind. The first time Jesus came, only Jesus lived among mankind. But in this second time, when this prophecy gets fulfilled the second time, God and Jesus will live among mankind. Let's, let's look at Revelation 21 to see a little bit of the description of this new world. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tears from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He will, uh, he will sit on the throne says, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for this word I trust, worthy, and true. So if you fast forward to verse 22, you read, the, the, and this is John speaking, who had a vision of this thing. And he said, I did not see a temple in the city because God, the Lord, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are his temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb, and the Lamb is his Lamb. So listen to the description of this magnificent place. Man, you know, I think I have a picture there just, I mean, I don't know, this is probably not a good depiction of what I read it, but just to kind of give you the stunning, like this is, this is gonna be a beautiful place. Man, this is what I was so longed for, right? The perfect world, especially with all the craziness going on right now, right? So, but you know that, but you don't have to wait for the last days or for the new world to start experiencing the freedom that God is offering you in Jesus. You know, with God's presence, you can start enjoying His, you can start enjoying freedom, peace, and joy. Even today, you can have a taste of it now, only if you believe in Jesus Christ. In a world where things are getting out of control by the minutes, more and more people, this type of promises is priceless. This type of hope is priceless. More and more people feel trapped, oppressed, depressed, more than ever. Do you feel depressed here this morning? Do you feel trapped by some type of habitual sin that you want to break free from? Is it shame? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Like what is it? What steals your joy? I'm here to tell you to rejoice because the promised Messiah was born to set you free. The Savior who come to rescue God's creation, the one who come to set the captive free, the miracle worker who promises eternal life to anyone who put their trust on him. Rejoice because he's here for you. For some people, Christmas time can be a very sad time. Maybe because they lost a loved one. You know, and I know this is, this is hard and they find it hard to celebrate. And I understand But anyone enduring that, anyone going through that, I want to take that you can still choose joy over sadness. You know, I was talking to one of our sisters who used to come to this church, her name is Brandis. She lost her mom last month and her mom was only 59, was only uh, late 50s. I don't know exactly what the age was. But Brandy and her mom was very close. And her mom passed away suddenly, so she didn't even expect it. So you can imagine the type of pain and trauma that she was under. But what was interesting is that when I was talking to her, even though you could see 
you could feel the pain that she was under. But she had joy. She rejoiced in the fact that her mother, as a believer in Jesus Christ, she knew that her mom was not suffering anymore. She knew that her mom was in heaven. And she believed that one day she would be able to see her. And because of that, in the midst of this tragedy, she was able to have joy. Having joy doesn't mean that you always just got, it's not all that kumbaya and just jumping. But it's just something because you're looking for something better that is to come. So it's not easy, but it's possible. So we don't have to be joyful only when good things happen. Because life is full of ups and downs. And the type of joy that Christ brings is the joy that will sustain you when life knocks you upside down. You know, so no matter what you are going through today, I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, was born to bring you everlasting joy, not temporarily. Listen to what the angel who announced his birth to the shepherd told him in Luke 2 10 to 11. Uh, Luke 2 Fear not. Again, no, okay, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Again, do not be afraid. Every time when they come, people are afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, including you. All people. Great joy for all people. Yes. Amen? So let's continue. But why? <clears throat> Verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Yes, I know life is full of ups and downs, but I don't know what time, what rough time you're going through right now, or whatever you'll be going through in the future, because it's not if you go through some type of tough time, but it's when, because it is a guarantee, because we still live in a fallen world. Amen. So, but I want you to know that it doesn't matter what, rejoice in the fact that all this pain and suffering is only temporary. And what is coming is far better than what you can imagine. First uh, Corinthians 2.9 says, No eyes have seen, no ears have heard, no mind, no human mind can conceive the thing that God has prepared for those who love him. That gives you give everyone hope here today. The prophet Isaiah also wrote that. Those in uh, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 35.10, he says, those the law has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their head. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and silence will flee away. So, can you, um, the worship team, maybe you can come up there. But today, so as you prepare for Christmas this Saturday, don't let anything steal your joy. Well, wow, this is more Scroll any longer. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. No, all right. Don't let anything throw your joy. Right? So I'm not going to let this steal my joy, okay? Don't let anything steal your joy. The Lord God, the one who came, the one who, who came and died for us, is here. He's here to set you free. He's here to bring you joy. And I want you to remember that whatever you may be going through, it's only temporary. It's only temporary. It's only for a moment. And before you know it, it will be over. 
So, so I'm going to leave you with this word of the Apostle Paul, where he said in Philippians 4, that rejoice, and I say it again, and now rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gladness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.